right, how we doing, everybody? It is 42719. I'm your host, Will Reddington, and welcome to another episode of Red Talk. Damian Lillard is taking control of the basketball world, and I'm here to talk about it. Dustin Fowler's here to join me. We're going to talk about all four of the second-round matchups. Rockets-Warriors, Bucks-Celtics, Raptors-Sixers, Blazers against the Nuggets of the Spurs. We're going to let you know what to expect from all of them. But before we do, our show is brought to you by, you guessed it, O'Shea's Irish Pub. Stop by in between 11 to 3 any day for their famous Pick 2 for seven fifty lunch special. These items include any of their sliders, soups, their famous pulled pork grilled cheese, and more. That's 956 Baxter Avenue, O'Shea's in the Highlands, and 123 Main Street, O'Shea's downtown. All right, let's get it going. All right, Dustin, it looked like we might see a dud of a first round, and uh, I kind of think it was not. A lot of people still say it was. A few sweeps, some five-game series, but some good games all around. Jazz and Rockets played three fantastic games to watch. Nets and Sixers did the same. The Clippers, wow, way better than people thought. Nuggets Spurs has been great, game seven tonight. But the first round belonged to your guy, Damian Lillard. 22 threes in five games. 50 points in Game 5, and a 37-footer to eliminate the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round for the third straight year as the lights came on. What are your thoughts on this series? I mean, it was dominating. I I can't remember a series. I mean, I think back to LeBron where LeBron in the finals versus the Warriors, that one player has just completely dominated a series against other superstars. I mean, Russell Westbrook talking all that stuff to Damian, kicking the ball a couple years ago. Foul whenever Damian's shooting free throws, talking about how he's been beating his ass for years. Yeah, I mean, just couldn't have happened to a better guy right there. It couldn't have gone better, and he, he hits that shot, and that's a moment for life. It's something that I'm going to talk about in a second that we've really never seen before in our lives, what Damian Lillard just did. And his first move is to wave bye to them. You know, he's not even thinking like, oh, yeah, I'm the man. Look at me. He's saying goodbye. goodbye. Yeah. And Seth Curry's in the corner telling their bench what's going to happen before he shoots it. He's not even watching the ball go in. He's just talking to the bench the whole time. (laughs) It was so cool. Paul George called it a bad shot. It it was deep. It was very deep from 37 from an alternate universe, almost a backcourt violation almost. (laughs) He made 20 of 51 from 30 to 40 feet this year. That's crazy. What were you thinking as that shot goes up? That's insane. I knew it was him. You know, it's just Damian Lillard. I'm Seth Curry. I've seen it too many times. He's the most clutch player in the NBA for him. Shooting that right over PG couldn't have couldn't have been better. I uh, I totally agree. I, when he shot it, I was thinking, no way. You know, it's the first thing that comes out yeah. of your. <laughs> there's no way that he's gonna actually do that and hit that shot. But as he said in the post game presser, no pressure. If he misses that shot, you go to overtime, and you can tell he really feels that way when he plays. And I mean, it's a bad shot, but Damian Lillard's pull up three is his best move. So how bad is it really? Just a captivating performance, uh, a buzzer beater to win the series. The NBA, it's only happened six times. Ralph Sampson in 86, John Stockton in 97. Look that video up, a video up if you haven't either because Stockton pulls up cash. Michael Jordan did it twice, both against the Cavs, 89-93. And Damian Lillard, 2014 against the Rockets, as the lights come on, ends the series. They're up 3-2 at home. And then Damian Lillard, 2019 against the Thunder. The only player in our lifetime where we've been competent to the sport of basketball, that's crazy that it's just Damian Lillard. And I feel like he doesn't get the respect that he deserves, but that's kind of changing. Uh, He's been trending on Twitter for 
three or four days now. <laughs> so you month. have to see yeah. that. Uh, I just can't believe that he's done it twice. Yeah, it's a, the only thing that could have made that better is if I mean if if he wasn't such a humble guy, you know, if he, if we could have because if I'm hitting that shot, I'm going up to Schroeder after after game. What was it? Game three whenever when they actually won they won a game pg does the dunk schroeder's pointing to his wrist it's dame time russell westbrook's rocking the baby All if i hit that shot i'm going up to every single one i'm probably starting to brawl but yeah. luckily for us uh damon's a better guy than me so and i mean his teammates weren't gonna let him get over there from just tackling him <laughs> that uh the the picture of him shooting and that uh, lady in the background with both two watches on each wrist pointing, pointing to the yeah. one rost. I, I mean, that, that's just beautiful. It, you love to see that. Uh, I, I think him and Steph have separated themselves as the one-two uh, point guards in the NBA, maybe 1A, 1B. Who do you think's third? I'm going to go Kyrie. I think, especially in the playoffs, he's got he has the best playoff win percentage ever. I mean, you just can't deny Kyrie. I, I wasn't too big of a Kyrie guy early in his career, but I think Last couple years, he's just uh, he's transformed his game. With what you see with him being on the Celtics now, now you know it's not he's not a product of LeBron. It, what he's done has been incredible, and I, I saw him live against the Pacers the other day. The way he creates separation with just the ball, with no help from his teammates, he can always always get a shot off. It's crazy because the point guard argument a few years ago was that there is eight, there's eight yeah. or nine guys that you can pick at number one, and now I think these three especially have separated themselves but really Lillard too is separating yeah. himself from Kyrie I don't think there's one Celtics fan in the world that would say if you can have Lillard for Kyrie right now I'm I'm not doing that yeah and that's yeah. and that's a crazy thing Westbrook in, in this era of the three-point shot it, it he just seems to be behind those guys yeah when you almost need it at this level I mean and he, the thing is what sucks about the Thunder's roster construction is Westbrook actually started hitting some threes towards the end of that series. And Westbrook, I, I know you don't like him because you're a true Blazers fan. We'll get into that. But Westbrook was playing well in games three through five, in my opinion. And their roster is just set up where he's the second or third best three-point shooter out there. <laughs> Which is insane. Yeah, they have no shooters. It's yeah. not going to get you anywhere. They're still aligned the same way they were when they had Kevin Durant, which is no floor spacing. Jeremy Grant out there. Ferguson out there, guys that can't shoot slashers when their two best players are slashers. It's it's such an odd roster. Uh, ben Simmons is worth mentioning in there. It, it's just crazy how different these point guards' games can be. Yeah, I mean Ben Simmons won't even attempt a three, and Damian Lillard makes forty footers <laughs> like forty percent of the time. Oh, it's it's really crazy. Uh, you being a true Blazers fan. I am too. I have them to win it all at sixty six to one. But uh, I, you know, I sent you a pick the other night. My yeah. Lillard jersey, Rip City. You replied immediately. You have the same thing on. You got to love that. Uh, what's it been like to like the Blazers? Yeah, I mean, it's it's been tough. I wouldn't call them a, a dynasty by any stretch. But over the last few years, it's been extremely fun to watch. I mean, you had starting with Brandon Roy. He leaves early, got his his injury. Then you some for some reason draft Greg Oden over Kevin Durant. That's tough. Yeah, that was uh, that was a tough moment. But then we we overcome it. We get Aldridge, Lillard. You're feeling like finally things can happen, and then Aldridge decides he's going to leave. And luckily, we get McCollum, and it feels like they're doing some good things in the draft recently. So I'm feeling confident. It's uh, Lillard is such a great guy to be a fan of because you feel like he's never going to leave. Like he truly loves your city, and that's such a rare thing now in the NBA. The only other guys you see like that really are Giannis and Steph Curry, maybe. Yeah. Everybody else you feel like could leave their team at any point or isn't just in love with the city that they play in. And that's Damian Lillard. Uh, to your point about uh, Aldridge, 
crazy move for him looking back on it now. He goes to the Spurs, and when he goes at the time, it feels like the Spurs are a player away from being the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And then the big three retires, which you knew they were. I mean, they were really old, and Kawhi leaves, and now, I mean, can you just imagine if LaMarcus Aldridge stays in Portland? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he, I wonder if he thinks about that. I, yeah. I don't know, and he's, he's playing so well, too, and that, that kind of takes us to this next point, that the Nuggets and the Spurs – Game seven coming up later tonight. Aldridge has been phenomenal. He he's a guy that's been great in every in every game of the series, and he finally started to step out and hit some threes, which Pop didn't like him doing. And towards the end of his Portland tenure, he was doing a little bit. Yeah, and his game is kind of transforming. DeRozan's been great in the playoffs, which is a big switch. I think that's a huge credit to the sport, Spurs organization and Popovich, but. Nuggets and Spurs both have guys that they really rely on that can kind of disappear. Jokic and Aldridge, both not in that category. Both have been bringing it every single night. Who do you like in Game 7? I like the Nuggets. I do think that they'll have enough to get it done. I mean, it's, it's tough to go against Pop in a Game 7 with what he's done in the playoffs, but I, I do think the Nuggets have a, a little home court. You know, that I think they can get it done tonight. I, uh, I'm i with you. I, I kind of like the Nuggets. It's, it's just the 1-2, I feel like, is really drastic in terms of DeRozan and Aldridge being that much better than, say, Murray and Murray, Jokic. Yeah. Uh, Jamal Murray just really worries me. He, he goes quarters without scoring at all. You're just not going to see that from DeRozan because he elevates so high. And most of his game is based on the mid-range and layups. And that's a crazy thing. The Spurs' two best players shoot the majority of their shots from the mid-range. The Rockets and the Jazz played an entire game the other night where six mid-range shots were attempted oh, yeah. between both teams. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's a dying thing in the NBA, and the Spurs are keeping it up. It would be really cool to see the Spurs win this series, still playing the way they are in 2019. I don't know what to expect. Uh, as a Blazers fan, who do you want to play between the Nuggets or the Spurs? I want to play the Spurs. I think it, we got home court there. I think um, Lillard, he's on his revenge tour. I think he wants to uh, have something to say to Aldridge at the end of that series. So, Man, and I've always felt like that's such a friendly thing. That, <laughs> and maybe it won't be. The home court is the main thing, though. Portland at home has looked incredible. That's where you want to be. The Nuggets, though, I mean, you're looking at a situation where the Nuggets guard play, to me, might be the worst left in the playoffs in terms of their one through four. Isaiah Thomas, in, in that point guard conversation that we just had in 2016, somebody's bringing him up. Yeah. Somebody's putting him in their top five, top ten. He can't even get a minute. That that story is fascinating. I mean, it's got to be the quickest drop off to a career. I mean, it makes no. You hear his coach the other day talk about how he how important he is to the team playing zero minutes. Like it just it just it makes no sense. He's got Chris Webber begging for him over there too. Like being an analyst, man, they haven't they haven't been able to score this quarter. It's time to go to it. Like, <laughs> what, dude? I forgot it was on the team. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's over there. It's it's crazy. They don't even use him at all. So they're playing Monte Morris at the one and then Jamal Murray at the one for the majority of their time. Will Barton has been a ghost in this series. Game six the other night, 0 for 4 from the field. Stuff like that is really, really troubling, I think, for the Nuggets. That uh, Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig, both defensive specialists, that's good to have against the Blazers because you need to be able to play defense, but you need to be able to score, yeah, too. Score, yeah. yeah, and uh, Jamal Murray versus Lillard, I think that's a really big mismatch. Devin White has is 23 of 31 against Murray as a primary defender in games two through five in this series. That's Devin White. Wow. 
And Devin White doesn't even utilize the three ball. That's just him getting to the rim. Lillard, if you fall asleep for one second, we, we were discussing the other day, Westbrook having too much pride to put a hand up from that far. You're just guarding a different type of player. I, I don't know what that looks like for the Nuggets and or the Spurs, how they truly defend that. Do you think the Blazers can hold Jokic without Nurkic? I do. I do think as, as fans, we, we kind of got screwed out of the the. Nurkic Jokic series yeah. being that he was on the Nuggets and he's he's a chippy guy. We could have we could have saw some fireworks there and but I I do think they have enough. They they flop Leonard and um Collins in mainly Leonard defensively against I think he could be enough. He's agile enough to uh kind of hold Jokic. It, you know, Cantor, he's been great at times, but he, he really has been making up for his defensive deficiencies, which he does have. He looks terrible defending the pick and roll. But he creates so many extra possessions on offense by tipping the ball out, getting offensive rebounds, just hustle plays. He brought a ton to that series when a lot of people said that he wasn't going to be able to defend Adams and everything. It was quite the opposite. Adams literally just couldn't move quickly enough to hedge that screen and then get back to block him out if they missed. I thought Canner was really impressive. Zach Collins, though, I mean, that guy does a little bit of everything. The Blazers are such a deep team. It, it really is a huge bummer that Nurkic is hurt. Uh, they're, they're just built perfectly for this run, and I don't know why I didn't see it before. I really thought that Paul George and Westbrook were greater than Lillard and McCollum. I, I really did grow, going into that series, especially with McCollum's injury, like not knowing what you're going to get from him, and really not getting the regular season production from him. But Lillard is just on another level. Uh, Aminu and Seth Curry, man, I mean, dream role players. I mean, how could you be Mo Harkless? Tough player. Do you think the altitude affects the Blazers at all if it goes to Denver? I really don't. I think they're used to it, playing playing in Utah, playing in Denver. I think, I mean, the playoffs, you get so much time off. I mean, you get a day in between. They're, they're used to sometimes playing back-to-backs during the whole season. I think it's more, I think you get more time off. I don't think it'll be too huge of a factor in the playoffs. Uh, who do you have as the X factor in this series for the Blazers? Al Farouk Aminu. I think uh, whenever he's able to hit that corner jumper with any efficiency at all, being what Lillard and McCollum can bring to the table, it just he brings a whole new dynamic to this offense and makes makes him impossible to guard. And he he's been hitting that shot, and, and that's exactly what I have too. I I have the Blazers role players. I I think that the Nuggets and Mike Malone and the Spurs, Greg Popovich, whoever you guys play. I think you're looking at a coach that's going to say, Damian Lillard's not beating us in this series. They're going to defend him so much better than the Thunder did, which the Thunder, I mean, it's not a bad plan. They just put Westbrook or George on him, who are incredible defensive players in some situations, and said, go lock this guy up. I think the Spurs and the Nuggets will dig deeper than that. They'll double. They'll try to get the ball out of his hands. But all that's going to lead to is wide open shots for other Blazers. Al Farouk Aminu has to knock down those shots. Seth Curry has to knock down those shots. And if they do, they're not going to be able to do that to Lillard anymore. And I think that's what you have to like about the Blazers and how they're constructed is all these guys can do something else besides shoot, but they can all shoot. And that's a big deal. I I mean, Murray or DeRozan, one of these two guys, is going to have to go 25-30, you know, score 25-30 points to have a shot at beating the Blazers. And that's who I have as my X factor for the other team is whoever that best guard is whoever wants to step up because you've seen that out of Devin White and you've seen that in the series currently and you've seen that out of Will Barton in the regular season I mean 
I don't know. Who, who do you think is X-Factor on either the Nuggets or the Spurs going into the series? I think the Nuggets is Jamal Murray. I mean, just because he he's so capable. We saw that ridiculous fourth quarter he had against the Spurs. and then, But he also can go quarters without scoring. And it's just, it's just like, how is this the same guy? So I think he's going to have to show that he can score, like you said. The way their offense is created, too, it's – so based on him finding his own shot and everything, uh, Jokic comes up, sets his, Jokic is such a good passer that he gets guys wide open and he sets such good screens that Murray's coming off it and has that mid-range jumper almost every time. And you can see when he's playing confident and when he's not. He just doesn't have – he's not going to be able to take quarters off against the Blazers because the Blazers are too lethal offensively. They just wear you down. They play so fast. Oh, they seem to take a great shot every time. I just love the way the Blazers are playing. I have the Blazers beating either team 4-2 in the series. What do you have? I, I have them beating the Spurs 4-2, and I have them beating the Nuggets 4-3 if, four, it, if three. it's that matchup. I do think they can go on the road and win in Denver, Game 7. I mean, that's something that nobody was talking about before the series or before the playoffs. Possible Aldridge-Portland matchup, a little revenge there. I mean, just zero storylines about that, and we might have it. I really don't know what to expect tonight uh, from this Spurs-Nuggets Game 7. I really don't. Mike Malone, Nuggets coach, is a product of Greg Popovich. This is it. It's a 3-3 series. I really thought the Nuggets were going to take it. I, I, I thought that Games 4 and 5, they looked like they pulled away, that their depth was just too much for the Spurs. And then the Spurs go out and beat them by 20 last night. And, 20's a lot to dominate them like that. Now all the pressure's on. I'm glad that we're getting one game seven, but either way, the Blazers got to get a ton of rest. They have to be feeling good going into this next series. And it's not too much rest either. It's not like they're winning 4-0 and then seven games and they have to sit all this time. You have to feel good about it. Uh, Warriors-Rockets. Let's get into it. Uh, This is the one that I'm the most excited about. Uh, It's the rematch, the battle of the heavyweights. The world's best offensive player versus maybe the next two. Uh, The defending two-time champs going against what I think is the team that wants it more than anyone in all pro sports. CP3, the Rockets, they want this one. Both of these teams played good teams in the first round. I don't care what anybody says. The Clippers and Jazz are both really tough to play night in and night out. Both play really different styles than a lot of other teams in the league. Uh, Both of these teams are nightmare matchups for everyone, though. And and it was just too much for the uh, Jazz and the Clippers. It's going to be phenomenal. Last year, CP3 goes down, can't finish the series. That saves the Warriors. Harden also missed his last 26 threes. Might have had something to do with it. Uh, not good. Uh, what's <laughs> what's different from last season? Like you said, Chris Paul's health. Uh, obviously, the, the the thing you could say is home court advantage for the, the Warriors. That's going to play a huge factor. That's a good point. Um, that's different from last year. But it just seems like it just seems like it's – the Rockets. I mean, more, more. It says more about the Rockets and Harden this year than last year. I think the storyline is just set up for them. Um, coming into the playoffs, I would have said the Warriors, but it just feels like um, this year's different. Harden's just. I mean, if it's possible, I think he's even elevated his game even more. So I think. I think it's just the Rockets are much better this year. And that's it's crazy to say that anybody's much better than the Warriors, but th- this Hollywood breakup is is pending and everything, and it really feels like this Warriors team is about to break up and, and KD's going to be out the door. And 
do you think that that's a good or a bad thing going forward? Like, do you think they're going to be playing like, man, this is our last run together. Let's get it done. Or do you think that that type of drama being held over a franchise is bad in a situation like this? I think it's good. I think it's going to play good for them. At the end of the day, they're just ball players. They're going to go out there and ball whether uh, they know. I mean, Katie's got the freedom to understand that this is he needs this championship and then he can get out of town. You know, I think that I think that's going to help him out. It's a it's a good point. KD still, you know, he dunks, looks at the bench, gets everybody fired up. I definitely don't think that he's not enjoying playing for Golden State right now. It just, I mean, it's impossible to ignore that he's starting all these TV shows and opening all these uh, branches for his brand in New York as the season yeah. goes on. It's, I mean, it's it's puzzling. But uh, what really is different for me from last season is that the Rockets have their roster completely figured out. They always have the right guys out there at, for 48 minutes, and the Warriors don't at all. They have a ton of questions, and that stems back to the DeMarcus Cousins, Cousins injury, which no one's talking about anymore. He was a big part of their rotation. He was playing a ton of minutes for them, and now you have Bogut and Looney playing a ton of minutes, which they weren't going down the stretch of the regular season, and now they're going into this series where it's 0-100. to 100. The Rockets are going to go small, and neither of them are going to be able to be on the floor. And uh, when they go big, Capella's going to dominate either of those guys. And I think it's so interesting that the Rockets are now going to be able to dictate whether they're playing small ball or not when the Warriors have dictated that for the past three years. It's really interesting. Uh, What are your thoughts on this being a second-round matchup? There's been a lot of juice on that 1-16 through playoff format that would be really cool. Traveling is just not a factor in pro sports anymore. Everybody's got their private planes. It, like the Lakers, they could be playing the Knicks in the first round, and it wouldn't be that big of a deal, even though they're on opposite sides of the country. What are your thoughts on the 1 through 16, or do you think they should keep it? I, I like the format the way it is. I'm more of an old school. I, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's just good the way it is. Honestly, East, West. Let them fight it out. And keep the rivalries and everything. I think now with LeBron out of the East, too, I think it makes it a little bit more interesting. I was kind of missing LeBron as the playoffs first started. And now that it's kind of wide open, it's nice to see. It's really nice that the Raptors don't have to get swept next round. Uh, <laughs> this is Chris Paul's probably last chance at a finals run. That uh, that hurts to say. Chris Paul's been my favorite player uh, ever since he stepped in the NBA. Uh, when he was in his prime, really something special. Uh, Hornets, two seed in 2008. Playoffs 09-10. He's doing that with David West, Tyson Chandler, and Mo Peterson as his supporting cast. He was awesome. The league denies the trade that puts him on Kobe's team, which is crazy looking back on it when a few years later LeBron forms a super team and now the player empowerment era and they literally wouldn't let Chris Paul, Pau Gasol, and Kobe Bryant be on the same team together. It's an absolute atrocity. The Clippers thing just didn't work at a championship level. Only one team can win it all every year. It's not like the Clippers were bad. They were a top eight team in the NBA if they were all healthy. But this is the last chance. Uh, what's been your perception on Chris Paul's career as a whole and uh, this last run? I think it's a pot. I mean, his he's been unbelievable for me to watch as well. Just he's a for him to be that chippy and mean that much defensively at his size and is incredible. I think he's had a great career and it would be uh if he could get maybe one more run like you said, it would uh it would definitely solidify his career. And that's what I want to see. And this is probably the first or second year that we don't bring him up in that top point guard conversation. And it's wrong too. He, he's just not on that level. I I think that if you're talking about who you'd want on your team, it'd be tough to even put him in the top 10 with his age and his injury history. Really hard to take him over Ben Simmons or even Kyle Lowry just with with their age and the po- the potential of their careers versus what where Chris is at. But 
man, this is it for him. I want to see it. I want to see him beat the Warriors so bad. I want it so bad. Do you think this is a Warriors' toughest possible test in the playoffs? I do. I do think uh, the Rockets is. I mean, just based on last year, I think the Rock. almost everyone thinks the Rockets win that series if Chris Paul stays healthy. I definitely think that. Um, I do think it is. The only other team that I think could compete is, surprisingly, the Blazers. And I didn't think that when Nurkic went out. But the way Enos Cantor has stepped up, nobody's talking about it because the series Lillard had. But, I mean, yeah. at, when Nurkic went out, they're 11-3. 11 and three with Cantor stepping in and playing great minutes, and then you get more Collins and Leonard elevating their game. It's I do think they, just based on guard play, could could give the Warriors some trouble, but I do think the toughest would be the Rockets. In getting them right now to where the, where the Rockets are still healthy, I think that's going to mean a lot. The Rockets get out of that Jazz series where it could have been a long series if Donovan would have played a little better in some certain situations. They get out of there, nobody's hurt. The, their role players are playing great. Uh, who's the best coach in this series, in your opinion? Because these two guys are heavyweights, Mike D'Antoni and Steve Curry. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm going to go Steve Kerr, just just based on what he's done. I mean, you can't argue championships and ridiculous records. He uh, sounds so smart. And when they uh, take a dive into inside the huddle and he's talking to his team, everything he says is so calm and so smart. Yeah, I mean, it's and whenever they got rid of Mark Jackson, I couldn't believe it. I thought it was not going to be the right play. And then Steve Kerr, they obviously knew Steve Kerr is Steve Kerr, and it was a seamless transition, and he's he's unbelievable. He's a perfect guy for that team, it, it, a team that needs the coolest head of them all, absolutely has it. Uh, Dan Tony, though, I mean, this guy's been a home run for the Rockets. They re- replaced Kevin McHale in a sim- similar situation. He had had a ton of success, but his team – was playing that old style, whether it's his fault or not, Dwight Howard's the second best player on his roster, and it's going to be tough to win a title in 2015 even, with that being the case. He's been an absolute home run. He's totally adapted to today's NBA. He always pulls the right strings on his lineups, and he's used the three ball somehow better than anybody in the NBA over the last three years. The Rockets are constantly breaking their own record for most threes made in the game, most threes attempted in a game. They're perfectly constructed. But Kerr's the master motivator. I, I have an even. I have a push here on the yeah, coaches. I, I can see it. I, I, both these guys are fantastic out of timeouts. Uh, they make sure that their stars are involved in the game. If you see Clay go 10 possessions without shooting and you're coming out of a timeout, they're going to get a shot for Clay. Uh, it, it's going to be a great series. What's the exact series result? Who do you like? Ah, man, before I'm going Warriors, but I, I really do think the Rockets showed me enough. I, I have the Rockets in seven. I like it, man. I, I have the Rockets in seven as well. Uh, who do you think's the X Factor? Let's go with Chris Paul. Chris Paul and in his, uh, like you said, is his playoff run. I think he takes it to heart. Garden Steph Curry takes it takes on that challenge, and I think uh, if he can play well, the the Rockets are definitely. Uh, I think they can definitely win. This is it for CP3, man. This is it. I hope he's ready to bring it. Uh, mine's going to be Eric Gordon. Uh, he just has to make his open threes. So they, the way the Jazz defended James Harden in that last series was like mind-blowing. They literally put a defender behind him. They would put a defender behind him and let him drive, and they want him to shoot that floater or kick to P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon for a three. 
and you're watching it. This is the dumbest thing ever. Why do you want the best offensive player in the NBA going downhill? And then they show the stat. He's shooting like 21% on floaters in the series. And, and Gobert's content. That's really good. That yeah. makes it seem like a smart plan. The only reason the Jazz are still losing is because those role players are knocking down threes. And they're wide open because Gobert's defending the rim. You can only have five basketball players on a court at one time. So these guys are just naturally open. Eric Gordon, he's got to make his open threes. I think he will. A 40% from three on the year. He doesn't seem like a guy who's averaged 15-plus in every single year of his NBA career. 11 years, except for one. 10 of 11, 15 or more. That's kind of crazy. Eric Gordon is your fourth man on the Rockets. And, I mean, I think him as a fourth man in comparison to Draymond Green is way better. Yeah, and I, yeah, I agree. I really like that for the uh, for the Rockets. And I, I think for the Warriors, it's Klay Thompson. Uh, without Cousins and that safety net of being able to toss him the ball on the block and being able to just get you that 15 to 20 a night in the post, they need that third scorer bad. Clay can't drift. When the Warriors have gone on their championship runs, Clay's been a major factor. Steph and KD have been going back and forth. They've been so tough, the Clippers series. I, I think it's Clay Thompson. He, they just need him to be clay thompson they need him to be involved and not drip drift and they're going to need him to guard james harden too which is quite a task no way they guard him from behind i, I don't think they <laughs> they try that no, strategy I don't think so either. especially since they don't have a shot blocker really kd actually is top five in the nba every single year in block shots which is wild but he's not that guy that's just going to protect the rim for you he's more mobile than that clay has quite the task ahead of himself in this series uh buck celtics uh, this one's going to be great, too. This is right there with Rockets Warriors. Uh, this is the league's most dominant player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Just led the Bucks to their first series win since 2001. Since Ray Allen, the Bucks haven't won one playoff series. Crazy. They're here, though. The NBA's team with the best regular season record meets the one with possibly the deepest roster. It... it especially when it comes to just talent. Uh, the Celtics are peaking at the right time. Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, they've really turned it on the past month. This is going to be a great series. Uh, both of these teams are coming off sweeps. 8-0 combined record between them. Uh, which of the two sweeps do you view as more impressive? I'm going to go. This, this is going to be odd to, set, to to listen to because the Bucks were so dominant over the Pistons. I mean, one of the most lopsided series ever, but... Every, I think everyone knew the Pistons had no chance in that series. So I'm going to go with the the Celtics. I mean, Indiana has some they they're scrappy. They have some they remind me a lot of the Clippers. They lost their star player midway through the year and everybody said kind of wrote them off and there they are still scrapping away and for them to just sweep them. I, I think, thought Indiana deserved to win a game, you know. Yeah, I mean, I Get agree. I thought they would. I thought they would, but I mean, that showed a lot to me from from the Celtics perspective. I I'm going to go the other way. I actually think the Bucks were more impressive because of what you said, because of how dominant they were against the Pistons. I said on the first playoff podcast that we did that I thought the Pistons were probably the best professional sports playoff team in the history of my life, or the worst. The uh, worst. Okay. Yeah, the worst. Like, what? Oh, good Lord, not the best. <laughs> uh, the worst professional sports playoff team in my life, and they looked like it for sure. Uh, but the Bucks just absolutely dominated them. They're still an NBA team. The... The Pacers, you look at that team, and nobody scares you offensively with, with who the Pacers just rolled out there. And The Pistons are about in the same boat, but they still played some really close games with the Celtics. They were still up at half, I think, in 
uh, maybe three of the four. Yeah, it, they, it, yeah. Or three, uh, yeah, three of the four. I, that's a crazy thing. I, the way the Bucks just dominated the Pistons all the time. And that one, a game four, the Pistons are up at half, and the Bucks win each the third and fourth quarter by 15 or more points, respectively. I, I really... I'm going to go with the Bucks as being more impressive. Although, like I said, the Celtics are peaking at the right time. They, they look like they've really figured themselves out. It's not just on them that nobody scares you on the Pacers. And when the Pacers have the ball, you're like, okay. Well, Who's going to score? We're good. If Bogdanovich shoots again, he might hit. But yeah. that's the only thing that we're even slightly afraid of. I mean, if Bogdanovich is your fourth best player, you might win the title. But if he's your first, you're probably going to lose your series in four games. Uh, if you could start your franchise with one player, is it Giannis? I think so. I do think so, just based on his age. I think if you asked this same question maybe last year, a couple years ago, I would have said Anthony Davis. But his his injury uh, problems scare me a bit. I, I just can't start my franchise with somebody that injury prone. So I am going to go Giannis in this one. I think I would go Giannis as well. And, and that's, that's a crazy thing because you take the Ben Simmons narrative, which is this guy can't shoot and – it's not like he's disrespected because of it, but his value is definitely significantly decreased because he won't take that shot. Giannis is really in the same boat. He attempts it, but he doesn't shoot it well. I mean, I think around 25% for the year, and he will attempt it, but man, I mean, it's it's completely yin and yang when you compare those two guys. I mean, Giannis is being considered as the most dominant player of basketball, and Ben Simmons is, the people are saying they can't play with him and Embiid forever because of their styles, and just Giannis, the way he doesn't, sh- the way they guard him, they guard him like he's Simmons. They give him all this space, and he just kills them. No matter what they do, like, oh, you want to give me this much space? I'm just going to get a running start and get fouled or dunk on you or something. He- he's like Ben Simmons with a motor and with a drive and with confidence. That guy's freaking insane. I'm I'm definitely going Giannis. Uh, there's it's when you consider age, contract, the fact that he's probably not going to walk out in your franchise at any point doesn't want to be in Space Jam 2. You got to love that <laughs> Great from point. the guy. Uh, these are two very loaded rosters, one through nine. Uh, who would you rather have if contract negotiations, non-factor, you're just picking for this series, knowing what Giannis brings, would you rather have this Bucks roster or the Celtics roster? I would. I think it's. I would rather have the Celtics roster. I mean, when you're looking at veteran players, Kyrie, Al Horford, and then you bring in the uh, – I mean, Gordon Hayward, we don't even, haven't even mentioned him. Gordon Hayward, a healthy Gordon Hayward is pretty special. And you, you talk about the improvement of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I think I think it's the, the Celtics when you mix young and veteran. I think I think the roster is more complete. I, uh, I'm going to go Bucks here. It, it's really close because the Celtics are, are freaking awesome. But Brooke Lopez, the way he's stepped out and kind of evolved his game into a three-point shooter, has, has really helped the Bucs. It's exactly what they needed. That's the big hole for me for the Celtics. I know you're a big Florida fan. I'm not going to talk too bad about Al Horford <laughs> here. But the Celtics are just a little weaker in that spot, I think, to me, with Horford at his age. Uh, I really like the way the Bucs are constructed. Two all-stars, Chris Middleton, who buries threes, a perfect kind of contrast player to Giannis, and just a bunch of guys that knock down open shots. George Hill has been there before. Malcolm Brogdon, they got to get him back. But Miritich, Pat Connaughton, I mean, I just really like the Bucks roster. It's not the name guys that you see on the Celtics, but in terms of flowing together and playing basketball together, I like the way the Bucs are made up more. And Eric Bledsoe. 
Heck of a year. Uh, tough way to go out last year, just being absolutely mentally dominated by Terry Rozier in that playoff series. But he's been awesome this year. And every time I watched him, I've been really impressed. And that's a, that's a big X factor in this series for me, is if Bledsoe is going to be able to make open shots. Because they're going to play off Giannis. They're going to sink the defense. And he's the only one out there most of the time that you're not like, that guy is a three-point marksman. We need to be out on him. He is the one that's the... 35% guy that they might want to leave. He's got to be able to make open shots. Who do you like as the X factor in this series? I like a guy off the bench, Marcus Morris. Uh, I think he's, um, everyone knows Hayward off the bench, but I think Morris, I mean, you, he comes in and he'll play 18, 20 minutes and he'll pop 15 to 20 points on you. And you just can't, it just breaks your back when you're talking about a team like the Celtics that have so many options like that and he comes in and instant offense for you and Morris is very hit or miss when uh Kendrick and I went to the game this past Sunday he was making fadeaway one foot jumpers like Dirk he was playing great at the beginning of this season he looked like that three-point threat that they needed especially when Jalen Brown Tatum and Hayward weren't knocking down the open threes Morris was the one to step in and make those shots really struggled down the stretch I'm with you, though. That that makes sense. He he needs to knock down open shots. This is not playing the Pacers again. They, yeah. All these these guys, one through nine on the Celtics, are going to have to perform or they're going to lose the series in five or six games. The Bucks are really that good. Uh, the coaching matchup in this one is, is probably just as interesting. Uh, who do you like coach-wise between the possible coach of the year and Mike Budenholzer for the Bucks or... I mean the the prince the the guy the the every if you have a coaching opening and you can hire anybody in the world ninety percent of the people are hiring the Celtics Brad Stevens yeah it's this is a fantastic coaching matchup I am gonna go Brad Stevens just because I mean it's just Brad Stevens he just he seems to press all the right buttons out of timeouts he's incredible probably the best in the game. Great motivator. I, I do think it's Brad Stevens, but it's Budenholzer is definitely no joke, especially this year. Brad Stevens, it, uh, Terry Rozier was on Rick Pitino's podcast over the summer, and they were talking about Stevens out of a timeout, and Terry was like, it, it, it's crazy watching it. it I've never, he's, it's no offense to you, coach, but I've never seen out of the timeout plays like this we you just see it this is how it's going to work this guy's going to switch here this guy's going to switch here and then we'll get this shot and it just works that way every time the only reason I'm giving Budenholzer the edge is the rotation thing I think that the Celtics are still figuring things out as they go the Indiana game I went to they started Baines and Horford at the same time and I just I don't understand that I if I'm the coach of the Celtics there's no way that at any point in 2019 basketball I'm thinking Okay, I have Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Kyrie Irving. Um, I have to get all these guys out here. I have to play them all, and a bunch of them are small forwards that are six foot eight, so they can they can play the four in today's game. I'm going to start Aaron Baines and Al Horford, both who didn't necessarily play that well. Horford, big numbers in that game in terms of rebounds, but he won't take them out. I mean, the poor guy has to play the whole game. That's my X factor in this series is Al Horford. Dustin, I'm telling you, it really looked like it was hurting this guy to run. It, it, and it, you know, you he's get getting older. up there. He's yeah. getting up there. It, he's the. It, it's really interesting to watch big guys as they run do the same thing to Embiid. You can see how hurt Embiid looks and how he just looks miserable out there at times. Horford looked miserable in person. He, not miserable at, in terms of playing either, because he still put up 18 or 10. He can still be effective, but. Yeah. 
really can't jump over a piece of paper anymore. And it really worries me going into this series is who they're going to play at this five because the Bucks run a lot of screen and roll. You're going to have to stay with Giannis at, uh, on that hedge. And you're going to have to be able to come out and be able to guard Brooke Lopez or Ilya Sova, who they'll even play at the five. They're going to be able to stretch the floor, and Indiana couldn't do that. And that really worries me about Horford. Um, does last year's first-round matchup, where it goes seven, it's it's probably the best first-round matchup from last season. Yeah. Does that tell you anything going into this year's? Really, it doesn't for me. I think it's two. I think it's a completely different game. You're talking about from the Bucks side, a much improved Giannis, new coach, completely new bench, revamped bench that's much better this year. And then from Boston, they didn't have a healthy Gordon. They didn't have any Gordon Hayward, let alone a playing well, healthy Gordon Hayward right sure. now. No Kyrie Irving in that series. And when you, I just think it's a completely different. I didn't. I don't think it tells me too much. If anything, maybe it gives the Bucks some confidence to think that they can play with that team last year, and then realize, wow, we're five times better than last year. Exactly. And to the common fan, it may look like, well, the Celtics added Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. They're way better than last year. But the Bucks come into this completely reconstructed with guys that only worked on the three-point shot over the summer, and that's what makes them so lethal. Both these teams are missing really key players in this series. Malcolm Brogdon might be able to come back. Marcus Smart is probably not coming back. Who do you think is going to be missed most for each team? I think it's Marcus Smart uh, for me, uh, be- simply because I think the Celtics' main objective in this goal, in this in the series, their main goal in the series is – to find a way to stop Giannis, limit Giannis from getting in the paint. And I think Marcus Smart, I mean, if you're putting different matchups on him, throwing different looks at him, he's potentially their best on-ball defender. He's a pest. You have to always know where he's at on the court. And that could that could play a factor for shooters around Giannis. I mean, Marcus Smart being on the court is, is a factor whenever you're shooting the ball. I mean, you just got to know where he's at at all times, it seems like. I hear you. I the smart nothing against Marcus Smart. I just feel like it's opened the Celtics rotation a little bit more for more positivity. I think if they would have kept Smart, they probably should have buried Terry Rozier at the end of the bench, which is so hard to say after how great he was in the playoff series last year. But playing ten guys just doesn't work. It wouldn't work if our rec league team tried to do it. We everybody would just be getting mad that they were only playing half or less than the game. I, I I got brogged in here. You want to hear a crazy stat? So the NBA doesn't want to promote this, but Brogdon just finished the year. He played 64 games. He's at 40, 50, 90 club uh, yeah, this year. I, I heard that the other day. So yeah. that's 51% from the field, 48% from three, 91% from the free throw line. Let me tell you some other guys that have done that in the NBA, and these are the only other guys that have ever done that. So we have Larry Bird, Mark Price, Reggie Miller, Steve Nash, Dirk, KD, Steph, and Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> Pretty uh, pretty strong company for I Malcolm. swear to God. Yeah, how crazy is that? And just because of that insane stat, I'm going to go with Malcolm Brogdon. Because, I mean, you put your name on that and I get to see it, I'm, I'm going to say that you're more important. <laughs> what's uh, what's your serious prediction here? This is a tough one. Yeah, this is, I think it's going to be a good series. And this is probably going to surprise you. But I'm I'm going Celtics in six. I think, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think the Celtic, Gordon Hayward in general, I think having him is going to be huge. I think he's going to be on a mission. Um, I, I, they have some veterans, some experience. 
I like the Celtics in this series. I really do. I think this is a complete toss-up. If you look at the lines on this series, who's going to advance, I've seen the Bucks up to a minus 300 favorite to yeah. advance, and that I don't agree with. I think it should be more like minus 150. I think you should throw the seeding out. If anything, the Bucks should have a major edge because they're at home. But, uh, man, this is really tough. I have to go Bucks 4-3. I still think they're going to be the one to get to the finals. But this is a really, really good series. This this is my hardest one to pick. Uh, MVP. We just talked about Harden for a while. We talked about Giannis. This is still up in the air. Reggie Miller said the other day that Harden has the MVP wrapped up, which he doesn't. If you look at the yeah. live odds, Giannis is minus 500 to win the MVP yeah. now. Uh, who do you think deserves it this year? It's a, it's a good point. I'm gonna go. I'm going to go with Giannis simply for the fact that He's the best player on the best team. Leads him in what points, rebounds, assists. I mean, didn't take any games off when he could have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, his year has been very special, and the fact that Harden won it last year, they might give Giannis that edge. Not that that's relevant, but that could play a factor in Giannis winning the MVP. I uh, it, this is probably the closest MVP pick that we've had in in a while. Uh, I would go James Harden though. Uh, he. Average 35 points a game. It's seven more than the guy in second place. That hasn't happened since Jordan played in the NBA. I just think that's worth mentioning. I mean, he literally got 35 a game. The Rockets had all those injuries happen to him at the beginning of the year. And he, he keeps them not only right in the playoff hunt, but he keeps them to a point where until today we're still like, oh, well, I think this team's going to beat the Warriors. And I think that I'm going to put more stock in that versus having the best regular season NBA record, which may not be right, but it's it's the Warriors. Uh, last series, Raptors versus Sixers. The Sixers come off a drama-filled series win against the Nets where, I mean, they were up to the task. A, a lot of pressure, a lot of trash talking. Embiid's health, I think, is the biggest question. But maybe a bigger question is, can anybody stop this guy? The Raptors completed the five-game gentleman sweep of the Magic. The Raptors' depth and athleticism was on full display. They absolutely dismantled a young, hungry Magic team that, I mean, for three of the five games, absolute blowouts. Uh, both teams lost game one and then won the rest. Who do you think is coming into this series hotter, feeling better about themselves? I think it's the Raptors. Um, I don't know if I would use hotter as the word, but I think they're more confident than the Sixers simply because they know for years They've been able to do it in the regular season, and then it's playoff time, and they 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 fold and crumble. But now you you trade out, you bring in Kawhi Leonard, one of the greatest playoff efficiency players ever. Yeah. I mean, in the NBA, and it just seems like you see him, you look over at him, and then you win four in a row. It feels like you you got some confidence. You know, it feeds off on these other guys, in my opinion. I, uh, I'm with you, man. Confident. That, that's a great way to put it. Because the 76ers still have to deal with the fact that they have a player that they're leaving wide open that, that can't shoot a free throw or an open jumper in Ben Simmons. And Embiid's health. Embiid could be the best player in this series. We'll have that debate in a second, whether it's him or Kawhi. But, man, I he's hurt. He's yeah. He really is injured. And it's crazy how he kind of turns it on and turns it off. He, you can really see it on his uh, defensive help strategy. He cannot get off the ground in terms of getting up to block a shot. The Nets did a really good job of attacking that. It just wasn't enough because they can't stop him on the other end. He doesn't need to jump to beat you. It's such an odd thing to watch in today's NBA. But it has to be the Raptors because they don't have any injury worries. And the Sixers have a huge one. Uh, 
Kyle Lowry or Ben Simmons, a pressure-packed playoff series. Who do you go with as your point guard if you're starting a team? Because this is really tough. Yeah, that, it really it shouldn't be, but it actually is really tough simply because of the the playoff woes from Lowry. But I, I'm I'm going to still choose Kyle Lowry. I think uh, I think he he can get some confidence from Kawhi, like I said, and I think maybe he can uh, maybe come out of that shell a little bit this year. I uh, I'm gonna go Simmons with these two. It, it's really close. I don't like this guy. Everybody knows it. I don't like Ben Simmons, but. I think Brett Brown doesn't get enough credit for the way that he's had Simmons adjust to the way teams are guarding him. Game one, huge red flag. The Nets win game one easy by 15, and the Sixers kind of look lost out there in that that prime five that they've had of Simmons, Redick, Butler, Tobias Harris, and Embiid suddenly didn't look like it was going to work for even the Nets series. And they made some adjustments to really make Simmons more comfortable and have him put in better spots to get Embiid the ball. And it's odd to watch. Simmons will kind of diagonally drive across the court and look for that running hook that he has and then kind of dump it to Embiid on the backside to the other block. And it was really working. I thought it was really impressive. I'm going to go Simmons. We haven't seen Ben Simmons in the playoffs much, but he's played well sometimes. And I feel like Kyle Lowry has just been horrendous. And and they need him is the thing because the Raptors, they are, are built perfectly kind of like the bucks they're built around Kawhi. there's a lot of pressure in this raptors run though there's a ton of pressure involved because Kawhi's probably gone at the end of this year no matter what they do he just doesn't probably doesn't love toronto knowing Kawhi. uh (laughs) a lot of pressure here who do you think is the best player in this series i'm gonna go with Kawhi. uh his defense is ridiculous best i think he's personally i think he's the best one two player in this playoff now that lebron's not here um, two-way player. I mean, it's he's just he's special, especially in the playoffs. He he seems to elevate it. I mean, everyone knows Embiid is is special too, but just his injury prone or his injury right now that he's fighting. I think I would give the edge to Kawhi. I have to agree. Kawhi looks like the Kawhi Leonard of the 2014 Finals. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's crazy the the way he just dominates both ends of the floor, especially in that Magic series. They, uh, the Magic are running all this action where they're getting switches like crazy. Kawhi could be on Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac. They all have size on him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's he, not a mismatch. He always has a hand on the ball. He gets his hand to the ball without fouling on defense better than anybody in the league in terms of a forward. Uh, and, and it's not like he can't guard guards, too. I mean, if anything, he can do that better. And it'll be interesting to see where, um, uh, the coach for the Raptors puts Kawhi in this series. Who who he's going to guard? If they're going to put him on Simmons, because everybody ignores Simmons when he has the ball. But if you're not going to put Kawhi on Simmons, who's he going to guard? Jimmy Butler. Quite a task in this series, because you know Jimmy looked good in the Nets series. I was really impressed with how he played versus how he played in the last two months of the regular season. Man, he's gonna he's gonna be on Kawhi. I think, and yeah. it, it's going to be awesome. Do you think Butler has any chance in this series? I mean, I do. I do. I think Jimmy Butler's a good player. Um, he's he's definitely got a tall task, um, but I do think he's capable. He's capable of guarding Kawhi, but it's going to be a battle. I can't wait to watch this one. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a great series. That Pascal Siakam guy for the Raptors has come out of nowhere to, to be a really – like maybe the number two man in that offense, which is crazy to say, but the Sixers are huge, huge team. 
one through five, really good. Bench, not so much. The Raptors are really deep. Would you rather have the Raptors roster or the Sixers? It's a great question. It's a great question. I think I would go with the Raptors simply because Kawhi. If you tell me you have a great one through nine and you have Kawhi Leonard as part of that, sign me up. Man, I mean, and hopefully that's what the Clippers are looking at next year because yeah. the Clippers would be fun if they just added Kawhi to this current team. But, I mean, the Raptors may be better than that version of the Clippers. Yeah. And, and that's the Raptors are that good. They really are kind of being counted out because of last year, but it's wild to watch DeRozan go to San Antonio and totally perform in the playoffs. I mean, he's been great this year. He's great. And Lowry is kind of showing himself as the main problem. Maybe they got rid of the wrong guy. We'll see. Uh, X Factor in this series, I have Tobias Harris. Uh, He has to make shots. You're looking at a Sixers team that really doesn't shoot the three well. And Tobias Harris is your second best shot at making a three. J.J. Redick, it's going to be tough for him in this series in terms of defensively, especially if Kyle Lowry can be Kyle Lowry of the regular season because that's who Redick's going to have to guard if you look at the size of the Raptors. Redick was a major focus of the Nets. They were running him off the three-point line. They said, you all are going to beat us with twos. Redick isn't going to shoot the three. And it worked. Tobias Harris really couldn't get it going from three like he did in the regular season. He's my X factor, and he's going to have to guard Siakam or Kawhi Leonard. So he's really, really tall task for Tobias Harris. Who do you have as the X factor? I think my X factor is uh, Kyle Lowry. I think, uh, I mean, this, like you said, this team is constructed. Kyle Lowry needs to be able to score the basketball. I mean, you have, you, you do have Siakam. I mean, he's, like you said, emerged as that number two score with ahead of Kyle Lowry, which is ridiculous. It's, that should never be the case, but he has. And you know what you're going to get from Kawhi. But I think I think we need a special playoff performance from Kyle Lowry, Kyle Lowry in this series. Uh, he has to. He has to, or the Raptors are going to be out. Oh uh, yeah. And that's that's what's going to be so crazy about going from the first round to the second round. You have all this leeway in round one because the team you're playing is likely to be way worse than you yeah and now these these teams are really even we just went through all four of these series now and it really feels like all of them are going six or seven games i don't feel like we're getting a sweep on any in any of these and it's it's going to make for some good basketball to watch kyle lowry has to step up he's either going to have jj reddick on him or somebody that's twice his size in terms of mass or height and that's going to be really interesting to see how he's able to deal with that because he didn't deal well with the magic we didn't deal well with DJ Augustine yeah. and what's he going to do now if they put Jimmy Butler on him for a quarter or something like that yeah. uh, th- this series is really tough I really want to see a game before I make a pick but we can't it's coming out Saturday morning so who do you like I like the Raptors in seven I do think it's going to be a, a battle of a series if, if, if Embiid is healthy uh, I think it goes seven and I think it's it's going to be a war but I think ultimately uh, Kawhi and the boys get it done I, uh, I have the Raptors in seven as well. Yeah, this is the one series I think can go short if Embiid doesn't play. It's odd saying that, but Embiid didn't play that game three in Brooklyn, and that was a 1-1 series at that point. If he's not playing in that game, which the Sixers won that game, but if he's not playing in that game, that's a huge red flag to me in terms of his health. Uh, I think he was ejected in game five, so he, he got out of there early with a elbow and everything. I his health is a big problem to me, and this is the only one I can see going short, but I'm, I'm going Raptors 4-3. Wouldn't shock me, though, if the Sixers turned it on and won. And it'd be cool if they did, because I got them 5-1 to win the East. So. There you go. Let's go, Sixers. Let's turn it on a little bit. <laughs> uh, finals prediction, who do you like? 
I have the Rockets over Toronto. I I, I think Toronto plays Boston in the uh, conference finals, and I think Toronto beats them. And then I do think the Rockets uh, upset the Warriors, and then they beat the Blazers to to make it there. And I think CP3 gets his uh, eluded ring. So you like the Rockets to take it? Oh, that's that's so great. I do too. I, I like the Rockets over the Bucks. It's going to be tough, though. I mean, what a road for the Rockets. They have to beat Golden State, the best team of our lives in the yeah. NBA. And then they have to beat the world's hottest player. I mean, Damian Lillard, it has to, he has to be just touching stuff and burning it <laughs> over the last few days. And then anybody from the East. All it, The East is so wide open. The, yeah, um, the East is all – it's fascinating. I mean, you think without LeBron, like you think it's it's – this playoffs isn't going to be as good. You know, I have some red flags about it. But then you look at the East and these semis, I feel like all four teams feel confident that they can win the whole East. It really, I don't think that any of them would shock you. Yeah, in, I mean. In the West, whoever wins that's not the Warriors is going to shock 90% of the world. It, it's not going to, we've been talking, we, we've loved the Rockets for, for months now because yeah. of what they've been doing and because of how close they were last year. But the East is wide open. We think the West is too. It's going to be a blast. I'll be back in a couple of days with some NHL playoff thoughts. This was Red Talk. Thank you for tuning in and TTYL.